Appreciate that here tonight. I want to read a, a, an article here, a few articles, just some headlines and uh, kind of what's going on. It says Biden to spend mega money on gender equality, climate projects in developing nations. Imperialism of woke culture is greater threat to religious freedom worldwide. Burger King donating up to $250,000 to the LGBT group and swipe at Chick-fil-A. George Soros says far-right Americans a bigger threat to America than Russia or China. Student, Christian students stoned and burned by Islamic radicals. Wow, that's headlines. Another headline I'd like to read to you tonight. It's called the horrendous bill introduced in Congress. The House Democrats have introduced a horrendous bill that is the equivalent of the Equality Act 2.0. But this version is even worse than the original Equality Act. It not only seeks to impose LGBTQ agenda everywhere on everyone, but also seeks to impose abortion protections on the states far more radical than Roe versus Wade. The bill is designated as H.R.E.S. 1209, the so-called trans gender bill of rights your speech social media websites church school daycare work insurance plans medicare and more will be affected churches and religious schools must have the right to teach the next generation biblical values without this freedom churches and church schools will close or go underground that is exactly what hrs 1209 seeks to implement Imagine your children at church or Christian school being taught by a male drag queen and the church and school are powerless to say, no, that violates our biblical beliefs. Seem far-fetched? It's not. The transgender bill of rights will force churches and religious schools from pre-K through college to remain silent and submit. Not only will churches and religious schools face costly lawsuits, but they'll also lose their tax exemptions and schools will lose their accreditation. For most colleges and universities, loss of accreditation is a death sentence. RH-1209 will be used to compel churches and religious organizations that perform marriage ceremonies to provide the facilities for same-sex ceremonies or face crushing lawsuits. Abuse shelters for women will be forced to allow men to sleep in the same rooms with women. Churches will be forced to allow boys to sleep with the girls on overnight trips. RS-1209 will affect everyone, including the individual working part-time from home, providing goods and services online. It is a massive expansion of the federal government's domineering power. RHRS-1209 also includes the word non-binary, which is also an umbrella term for many sexual paraphilias. These are deviant perversions and must not become protected class under federal law. Make no mistake, this bill is a real threat. It paints a huge target on the back of every law-abiding American. That's what's going in our Congress and to vote upon. I would say this evening that uh, we faced some uncharted times, things today that we don't really understand completely, and yet at the same time, we understand it clearly because we that are Christians tonight knows where we are and what days that we're in. And I pray that those headlines would just kind of kind of maybe wake you up a little bit to think that, that uh, we're in a fight and we're in a battle. And uh, overcomers will, will overcome until the end. Amen? We're not giving in. We're not giving up. Uh, we're going to hold on. And as we hold, uh, we'll find uh, that uh, we will win. Amen? All right. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Revelation chapter 5 uh, as we began this morning the message. And... Now let's begin reading in verse 6. We've got to verse 5 this morning, and then we'll read down to verse 14. Let's stand to our, our feet here in honor of God's Word this evening, and uh, we thank the Lord for you here tonight. Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth in all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps 
and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof thou wast slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood of every kindred and tongue and, and people and nation. Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such are in the sea, all they are there in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, glory, power, be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, it's just a privilege to be able to read your word. God, be able to speak the word of God tonight, uh, Lord, in the church and about the people. Father, sing songs that just honor and lift up our Savior. Uh, God, to be around God's people who love you and care for you, Lord, and serving you. And God, the life that you get us, let us to live, dear God, it's no better, there's no better life to live than the life for Christ. And so, God, we thank you for the church and thank you for the Word of God. And thank you, Father, that you give us privilege tonight to come back in this country, God, in this city, Lord, amongst this building and your people. God, that we may worship you and honor you and praise you. And God, would you get glory tonight in what we say and do. Guard our lips and our mind. Fill us with your spirit. God, fill the hearer as much as the preacher tonight. Father, we pray that you'll make things clear in our minds and hearts. Help us to see Jesus as he really is tonight. That we may worship him in his spirit and in truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So going back just a little bit tonight as we will catch up there. Uh, we talked about this morning the book's outline. And in the book's outline, we find that it's broken up into three areas. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19 gives us that outline. It says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which here shall be hereafter. And we find in those three areas that we're going to find it's exactly what and how it's been written. We've seen there in verse 11, though, of chapter 1, uh, he says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it. Now, we, we thought about that. and We, we said uh, that the Lord has told John, or told uh, John, he said, John, I want you to write what you see and that I want you to send it to the church. And we talked about a little bit. I'm not going to do that this evening. But we talked about having a book, a book tonight that was for us. That was a book that John was told to write. We find a book that was about us. Then we find a book that was to us. That book was inspired by Jesus. We see that in verse 11. That book was also preserved by Jesus. We see that in verse 11. And it's also published. Of course, we're seeing it in verse 11. In verse 11, we have a Bible tonight. We have a book, the Word of God, that's inspired, preserved, and published. And we thank God for it. We feel and believe it's the King James Version Bible here for us of, of English-speaking people. We find that John is going to write down what he saw. The first thing happened to John is he heard Jesus there in verse 10. And then we find that he sees Jesus. And we read that, and boy, he saw Jesus like he never saw him before. And then thirdly, we, we, we saw in verse 17 that he felt Jesus. Jesus put his hand upon him. And then in verse 18, we see that he experienced Jesus. For Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Have the keys of hell and death. Now, can you just imagine now uh, that John uh, would write this to the church? And the church being, as we spoke of the last time that they might have seen Jesus, uh, was on the cross of Calvary. And while the cross of Calvary, they placed him into the tomb. And while he was in the tomb there, we find uh, uh, that he was now taken. Amen. He was gone. And uh, the next time he comes back, he, you find he comes back, the 500 people or so. 
and, uh, and some few others there. And uh, surely not all of the church saw him during that time and during the, that day. And so whenever John would write this, and he would write it and send it to the churches, and I could just think how John says, listen, church, I heard Jesus. I saw Jesus with my own eyes. He touched me. And he said to me that I am alive and that I was dead, but I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. Can you imagine the strength? Can you imagine the encouragement? Can you imagine that what the churches are saying? Hey, our Lord indeed is alive. Our Lord is well alive. And boy, I tell you, that message, that book, was given that uh, through John was bringing to the church uh, saying that this book that has been written and he says you write what you see and that's what he saw he saw Jesus now tonight is there anything else greater to write than Jesus and so we find tonight the church has a book and in that book we find that he says write the things that you see and then secondly he says write the things which are and so we go from Revelation chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 22. We find within that statement there the last days of the church. We find the last age of the church in the church of Laodicean. The last condition before chapter 4. We find it's the church of the people now, the church of the world. And he's writing that to the churches. He says, number 3, Write the things which shall be hereafter. It's interesting in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, after this, after what? The church age. And then he says in verse 1, he says, I will show you the things must be hereafter. The church has to be raptured. The church has to be caught up. The church says, come help hither, John. And John representing the church there, finding that while they're in heaven now, now I can tell you what's going to happen hereafter. Amen. And so we find that that is exactly the outline of the church. We find number two. Not only the book's outline, but the book's owner. We see that in chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. Now who is it that sits on the throne? We know that in verse 8. It says that he is the Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne. It's evident right there who he is. And then we have another evidence that gives some more evidence in chapter 1. And in verse 8, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And so there's no doubt in our mind and our heart tonight that it is Jesus the Lord uh, that is on the throne. And it's Jesus the Lord tonight that is represented as him in this verse 1. And it's him tonight that has this book that he told John to write of what he saw and what is and what is hereafter. And he's got it in his right hand. His right hand representing power, authority, and sovereignty. It is his book. Tonight, it is God's book tonight uh, that he has in his hand. And so the book's owner is Jesus the Lord. He's on the throne. He's with the book. And he sealed the book himself. Seven seals it is tonight. There's no other one tonight that can claim that it's their book. None other can, not can tonight can say that they wrote the book, uh, that they sealed the book. That it's only him, the Lord Jesus, tonight that is that one. Number two, we talked about knowing Jesus, the Lord, being the owner. But we also talked about the angel of the Lord that came from the Lord. And the Bible says there in that verse 2, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. And so we talked about how it was the Lord that sent the angel, for the angel will only do what the Lord sent. I told the Lord will do, so he did exactly what he, the Lord asked him to do. So he came the, from an angel, came from the Lord. He went about all of heaven, and he made a proclamation, and he said this, Who is worthy to open up the book, to loose the seven seals tonight? And so we find that, that what he was asking was, is Who is it tonight that is, that is worthy to start the tribulation period? 
Who is it tonight to begin to start the judgment of God upon this earth? Who is it tonight that is going to send the wrath of God upon the, the those tonight uh, of the tribulation period tonight? And, and that was the question. Who is worthy to do that? Who is worthy uh, uh, to bring forth the fatherance of the book? The book said, this is what you saw. This is what is is or what is are. And then he says, hereafter, how we're going to get to the hereafter. And so tonight, that angel came forth with that question. And we found tonight to unbind or to undo or unseal that. Then we see thirdly, the determination of the Lord. We found in verse 3, and no man... In heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. We talked about no man in heaven. And I'm just going to briefly give this to you. Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, Elijah, Elisha, Job, Joshua, Paul, Peter, John the Baptist, Stephen, hundreds more. Thousands more, many more, but all of heaven was searched. All of heaven was spoken to, proclaimed to. All of heaven had all opportunity to say, I'm worthy. But the Bible says, no man in heaven. And then he says, let's look down on earth. And so we find in verse 3, he says, nor in earth. We talked about kings and presidents and emperors and princesses. And we talked about millionaires and billionaires and zillionaires and gazillionaires. And, and all those that have money and all those that have things and buildings. And, and all those that have companies and manufacturers and inventors and, and uh, investors. And, and all of the, all the famous we talked about. Those that have our kids' heart. Uh, those that are influenced and impacting our children, those famous singers, those famous entertainers, those famous sports players. We find not, nobody on earth, it didn't matter how much they made, how much they knew, it didn't matter, it didn't matter how much they were worth, it didn't matter uh, all that they achieved and all the influence and all the impact they made. Tonight, there's nobody worthy. And then they look in hell. Underneath, and in hell, somebody like Hitler or Stalin, Napoleon. Somebody tonight in hell, like Alexander the Great or Mao. Great men, evil men, yes. Well-known men, yes. Historical men, yes. He might even take on today. And all that may be, we don't even know about. But even in hell, as great as they were and as powerful as they were, they was not any worthy. None worthy in hell, none worthy in heaven, no worthy in earth. You know, I would say that many wanted to, many were willing to, and many wished to. They, they wanted to take over the world. Uh, they wanted to control the earth. They wanted to plan out the future. But friend, the question was not, are you willing, and are you wishing, and are you wanting? The question is, are you worthy? There was none. There was none, and because there was none, we find John there in verse 4. He said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, or neither to look thereon. But I noticed the church of the Lord. We see that in verse 4. Verse 5, and one of the elders saith unto him, unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And who is the elder? Well, we looked at the, what that is in chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, Round about the throne and 24 elder seats. And upon the seats I saw four and 20 elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. In chapter 3, verse 21, it says, To him that overcometh will I sit with me in my, in my throne. And it must be only just the overcomers. It has to be those that are in the white raiment. Those are the church. Those are the bride. That's who it is. And so one of the church. He comes to John and says, John, weep not. We got somebody. Let me introduce to you the line of the tribe of Judah. Amen. 
And so this would identify his humanity. It was in Genesis chapter 49 and verses 8 and 10. Uh, whenever the tribe uh, that was given for the kings was the kings of Judah. Amen. And that tribe of, of Judah was given, you will be the king. And that sepulchre will not be taken from you. And from that day on, the king will come from Judah, amen. And the line of the king is this tonight, is one of sovereignty, of dignity, of vigor, of courage tonight. And only one man tonight, according to Matthew chapter 1, only one man and one Jewish man at that can go all back in his ancestry and to prove without a doubt that he's the only man, son of man, that comes from a kingly tribe, Jesus. So he's 100% man. And then he said, root, the root of David. And some has said, oh, I'm just confused. How can you be the son of David and be the root of David? Very simple. Amen. Uh, Jesus is the son of David. Matthew chapter 1. But Jesus is the root of David. If it's eternity, he's God. And we talked about the God man. Amen. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. He is the God man tonight. There's no other tonight will ever be that. None other will ever claim to be that. And so as we look and as the church comes in heaven and says to John, John, I'm the introduced to you, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of, the root of David. He is the one who has prevailed and he will open up the book and unloose the seals. Now we preached on all that this morning. We don't want to make it redundant. I think about Sister Heather. I stopped there on the God man. But then I will say fifthly tonight, the Lamb of the Lord. Not only tonight, the church of the Lord and the angel of the Lord and the Lord Jesus tonight, but the Lamb of the Lord. And, and so verse 6, as, as he introduced to, to John this lion and this root, he says in verse 6, And behold, or beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of elders. Now, where else would this lion of the tribe of Judah be? He would be on the throne, of course. And he would be in the midst of worshipers, wouldn't he? He would be in the midst of those that is praising and honoring. He would be in the midst of the beast, in the midst of the elders. And as they are falling down and, and as they're bowing and worshiping, as they're lifting up the name and, and honoring him tonight, sure enough, that's where the line of the tribe of Judah would be. He would, the root of David would be. He wouldn't be about and out. He wouldn't be here and there. He wouldn't be over yonder. He'd be right in the midst on the throne because, see, he is the Lord Jesus. Jesus tonight, Jesus the Lord of chapter 4, but he is also a Jesus the Lamb in chapter 5. And for the Bible says, stood a lamb. Remember, the Lord was sitting, now the Lamb is standing. And as the Lamb was standing, he was standing in the midst of worship. In the midst of adoration, in the midst of friend of celebration, in the midst of exaltation, in the midst tonight of just full praise and full glory and full honor, here comes the Lamb and He stood, the Bible says, Amen. Hallelujah, as he stood tonight, I would say that can you just imagine whenever it was the, the church that said uh, to John, Hey, John. The, tri the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. And about that time, he said, beheld, he looked over, and a lamb stood. Them church people, do they ever tell the truth? Them church people, they just always get it wrong. Those church people, they think they had all the answers. <laughs> Those church people, uh, they think that they know everything. You told me he was the tribe of the line. And I look over, and it's a lamb. Lion, lamb. Lion, church. Lion, lion, lamb. You said that he was a root. He's a lamb. But the lamb was standing. And the lamb was towered over every single one. 
The lamb was above and beyond all. The lamb was tall. The lamb was high. The lamb was exalted. The lamb was supreme. The lamb in all of heaven, friend, was now silenced. And all eyes were set upon that lamb. That lamb stood. Do you know that lamb is your Savior tonight? Do you know that lamb tonight is the Lord of your life? Do you know that lamb tonight is the one tonight that loves you? Do you know that lamb tonight is the one that you and I can trust in? And that lamb tonight that one day we're going to meet him in the air. And one day we're going to be on his throne. And one day we're going to be with him. Everywhere he goes, we go with him. Amen. Amen for the lamb. The Lord Jesus sat on his throne, but the Lamb stood on his throne. And friend, we find tonight the Lamb of the Lord tonight. Now this Lamb, I noticed tonight, he was a small Lamb that stood. The Bible says in that verse 6, he said, stood a Lamb. If you study out that word Lamb, it means a little Lamb. It means a pet lamb. That's what it means tonight. We're not talking about some big, a gigantic lamb. We're talking about some little pet lamb. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Brother Charles and Sister Cheryl's house. Of all houses to have a lamb, it would be their house. I mean, they got chickens, they got roosters, they got hamsters, they got squirrels, they got all kind of stuff. Amen. And so they, 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 they over there, they, they got it going on on that, on that. Uh, like a farm right there in the meadows. But I think tonight as, as you could look there in heaven. And the task of taking this book. And this book is going to tell us what's going to happen hereafter. And it is someone tonight who's going to take the deed of the world. Who's going to take control of heaven and earth. It's going to be one tonight who's going to be in charge and sovereign over everything and everyone. And tonight you would think that if you looked over to the land, to the line, that it would be a big roaring line, wouldn't you? I mean, it would be strong. It would be boisterous. It would be bulking out with muscle. And the mouth will be this big. And the, and the teeth will be this big. And, and you look at it, boy, you'd be a fear. Because, see, he's got to go against the dragon. He's got to go against old serpent. He's got to go against the devil. He's got to go against Satan himself. I mean, he's got to face the Antichrist. He's got to face the beast. He's got to face the false prophet. He's got to come, and all the world is going to come up against him. The priests and, and the kings and the men of, of, of war are going to come up against this lamb. Amen. And you will think tonight that that object and that individual would be as huge as the moon. Now, man, when you look at him, he's the little pet lamb. Just like, like your little dog, sister. I went over to their house one time. They called that a dog. It was little. Little lamb. That little lamb stood up. It was a small lamb. Number two, it was a slain lamb. It was a slain lamb. The Bible says in verse 6, he says, as it had been slain. Not that it's going to be slain. But it has been slain. That word slain there. It means. Now I want you to listen to these three words. And I want you to think of your sin. And I want you to think of your savior tonight. And I want you to just maybe have a. Maybe a much of appreciation towards Jesus tonight. And these three words that explain this lamb. The first word was butchered. Butchered. Now friend that, that it is a cruel. Uh, that, that is harsh tonight. When somebody says, oh, we took the cattle, we took the cow, we took the pig, uh, we took whatever and got it butchered. Does that sound like something you'd like to go through? Something you say, I volunteer, I want to get butchered. I mean, it, you could say maybe, maybe say to the cow, say to the, to the pig, hey, y'all going to go and you're going to die and we're going to cut you up into steaks. And we're going to eat you. You're profitable. You're beneficial to us. But no, it's just a butcher. You ever been to a butcher? 
and they're inside, they're on that table, and they got these, all these pieces of meat and all this quarter and all this kind of stuff going on, and they got that big old knife that's about this, about this long and about that like that, and they're just going, boom, boom. They got that saw, boom, boom. Y'all been in that play force? You ever seen that? It's cruel, man. I know, I know that, that them animals are dead, and I know all that. But, man, when you talk about butchering tonight, uh, you're not going in with care. You're not going in there with, with kindness and gentleness and, and tenderness. And you're saying, oh, Betsy Boo. Oh, Piggly Wiggly. Oh, listen, I'm going to just cut you softly. I'm just going to just slice you gently. None of that goes on. What they do with Jesus Butchered. Another word that that word slang means slaughtered. They slaughtered them. That's like putting cattle one behind another down in a fence line. And they only got about three foot to move. And they got one after another. And they open the gate. When they open the gate, they go to the slaughterhouse. And when you get to the slaughterhouse, friend, uh, there's no love there. When you get to the slaughterhouse, it is all about killing it is all about taking your blood and draining. It's all about cutting your throat. It's all about taking your head off. It's all about gutting your body and getting all your inwards out. It's all about getting you to a place where you can be eaten. Friend, they slaughtered our Lord. They butchered our God. That word slain there, it also means tonight maimed. Slain means maimed. Friend, listen, they, they didn't just bruise them they maimed them uh, they, they just didn't hit them they maimed them uh, they just didn't slap them they maimed them they just didn't spit in his face they maimed them uh, they just didn't pull his beard they maimed them they just didn't take a sword and slice it in his side they maimed them they just didn't take a nail and put it into his hands and put it down in his feet they maimed them they slaughtered and maimed, and they have butchered the lamb. That's who has stood up. <laughs> Small lamb, a slain lamb. And can I say here thirdly, a strong lamb. Verse 6, he says, having horns, or seven horns and seven eyes. We think of a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. It says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If there's any power with God tonight, who is it? Jesus. If there's any wisdom of God, who is it? Jesus. And as it was that that lamb would stood on the throne of his throne, as the Lord Jesus was sitting there with all authority, with all power, and come up off of the throne and stood up. He stood up as a small, slain, but strong lamb, saying to you and I that I am the power of God. I have seven eyes, I mean seven horns, horns representing power, seven which means his completion tonight. I am completed, I am full, I have no other power to give, I've got it all tonight. I am the power of God. The lamb stood up and said, I'm just not slain and I'm just not small, but I'm strong and that I have seven eyes. I'm the wisdom of God. I have all knowledge. I have all knowledge of whoever's been born. I have all knowledge of what you ever thought. I have ever all knowledge of where you ever been. I got all knowledge of what you ever said. I got all knowledge of who you think you are. I got all knowledge in what your intent of your heart. I got all knowledge, friend, of what tonight of imagination. I got all knowledge of where you live. I got all knowledge who you live with. I got all knowledge of what you do and say and when you do it and when you say it. I am all wisdom. I'm all seeing, I'm all knowing, I'm all powerful, I'm the Lamb. Is there anybody else like him that can open up this book? Oh, tonight every one of us should have fear in our hearts towards Jesus. Every one of us tonight ought to bow down and say, God, I'm just sorry. 
God, I'm just sorry neglecting you and forgetting you and forsaking you. God, I'm sorry for rejecting you, for turning away from you. I'm sorry living in sin and selfishness and bitterness. I'm sorry, Lord, for being stubborn and rebellion tonight. I'm sorry, Lord, I just aren't doing what you asked me to do. You're the Lamb of God that stood. How in the world do you think you can fight with that and win? We find tonight as he is the strong lamb. The seven spirits of God sent forth into all the world. He's all around. There's no place Jesus is not. There's no place he's never been. There's no time he's never been. He was before the time. He's after the time. He's in the time. Hey, in the beginning, God. He's all around. He's all-knowing and all-seeing. What a lamb. What a lamb. He's a standing lamb. In verse 7, he says, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the, on the throne. And I know what people are probably saying. You say, Brother Larry, you keep on saying that it's Jesus the Lord that's sitting on the throne. And you said, chapter 5 and verse 1, he said, I saw in the right hand of him, and him you say is Jesus the Lord. And I still say it, because that's exactly right. But here's how it works. It was Jesus the Lord that gave the book to Jesus the Lamb. It was Jesus the Lamb that took the book from Jesus the Lord. Is Jesus taking the book? You can say it like this. God the Father got the book from God the Son. But they're in terms of God, of Jesus the Lord and Jesus the Lamb. So tonight, there's no controversy with that. They're absolutely, friend, uh, with the eyes of faith tonight. I can see it with my own eyes. Here is Jesus the Lord sitting upon his throne and all are worshiping him. How in the world do you think tonight as they're worshiping Jesus on the throne and that would be idolatry if Jesus wasn't God? So there'd be a problem in heaven tonight. So we find as Jesus the Lord looks to Jesus the Lamb, here you go. The standing Lamb and the Lamb stood. He went and got the book and when he got the book it was his forever and then I show it oh uh, fifthly I see a sovereign lamb verse 8 and when he had taken the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the saints I see a sovereign land he has the book he has the power and he has the right he is worthy, he is worship, and he has won. Amen. <laughs> oh, it's all over. It's done. Might as well stick a fork in it. It's cooked. There's absolutely no one in all the world who's even worthy to get the book, to look at the book, to read the book, to open the book. None but Jesus. And now since he has it, and it says authority and his sovereignty tonight, he's in full charge and full control. Nothing will happen without him sending forth the plan. Nothing will take off until he says to take off. Nothing will move in any direction. There will be no kings. There will be no priests. There will be no times. There will be nothing going on until the Lamb who's sovereign will set forth. And that same lamb tonight lives in you if you're saved. What power do we have tonight? Sure, what a Lord. That sovereign Lord tonight. Friend, I say to you tonight in that verse 8, he is worthy to be worshipped and he is worthy tonight to look. Look at who's worshipping him. The created beings, we talked about that before, they're worshipping him. In verse 8, it says the four beasts, all the created beings are representing there. 
they're falling down. They're saying, he's sovereign. <laughs> he's, the, he's the Lamb of God. He's the one that we're going to bow down to. He's the creator of who I am. And then we find the converted beings. We talked about that before last week. And I want you to notice what's accompanying those, these worshipers tonight. Uh, the Bible says there's going to be music. Amen. There's going to be music there. There's going to be some hearts going on. There's going to be some vials full of odors there, which are the prayers of the saints. Uh, there's going to be some music going on. Then there's going to be some prayers. The prayers of God's saints, friend, will be there. And then there'll be odors there. Good, sweet-smelling Savior. And then there'll be some singing going on. Verse 9, and they sung a new song. A song they never sung before. And the Bible says, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Good missionary song right there. Good gospel song right there. We find there's a proclaiming going on. And they're proclaiming there in that verse 9 that he tonight is worthy to take the book. He is worthy tonight to not only take the book but to open the seals. We find the sovereign lamb. And then thirdly tonight, and lastly, I want you to notice the book's observers. Not only the book owner, the book outline, but the book's observers. Who's observing this? Verse 9 tells us, It is those who say to him, in verse 9, Take the book and open the seals. Now this is personal worship. It is those in verse 9 who are worshiping him are those who died. He died for them. See, that's personal tonight. If Jesus died for you, it's a personal worship. Hey, friend, my worship for him that died for me does not depend upon you worshiping him. It's not depending upon whether you will worship him or you might worship him if you could worship him. You know, it's like, hey, listen, if you worship him, I worship him too, you know. I, 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 that's not how this works tonight. It's the one that he died for is the one who's worshiping him. And you'll find tonight if he died for you and you received him as your Savior tonight, you'll worship him because he died for you. It's a personal worship. It's a personal worship because he is the one who died for you. Number two, he's the one tonight who has redeemed you. He's the one who took you out of the slave market of sin. He's the one who snatched you out of the power of darkness. He's the one who took you out of the hand and grips of Satan. He's the one tonight who took you from this evil world and from this evil present world, the Bible says. He's the one that redeemed you, amen? He redeemed you from you. He redeemed you from sin. He redeemed you from Satan. He redeemed you from society. He redeemed you from self tonight. He is a redeemer. Personal worship. Because if you really ever get redeemed, you'll find that this lamb will be the worship. He'll be the one in which you would fall down and, and just give your heart and life to. Number three, verse 10 tells us on this personal worship of those who said, take the book and open the seals because of our personal worship. He says in verse 10, and has made us under our God kings and priests. We find tonight those that have made us kings and priests. Tonight, that's what God's made us, kings and priests. Amen. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd ever be a king or a priest in this side? No, but it's him. You ever thought you might have a place of authority? You might have a place with God and his operation? Or do you think you just got saved and you're going to heaven and you're barely going to get there? And when you get to heaven, you just be satisfied to, to sit, by the, sit by the river that flows from the throne of God. Or maybe you're just satisfied to eat of the tree of life. Or maybe you're just satisfied to walk around with your white stone and just flashing it to everybody. Are you just satisfied to show that stone or that name written on there that only one who knows that is who's written to? Are you just satisfied that, that you know your name shall not be blotted out of the, of the Lamb's book of life? Are you just 
just might be satisfied tonight that God said you can sit with me on my throne. You just might be satisfied tonight that you might rule over the nations. But friend, it's more than that. This one in which they're falling down and worshiping the, the, the lamb, the, the, the small lamb, uh, the sovereign lamb, uh, the strong lamb tonight, uh, the, the, the lamb tonight that, that you and I could look to and the standing lamb. He's one because he died for us, redeemed us, and he made us what we are tonight. Whew. I wonder tonight, would you fall down and worship him if you were there? But not only did he make us tonight, but then he caused us. He caused us, the Bible says in verse 10, we shall reign on the earth. We're going to reign. You're going to be somebody. We're not going to be just what we are all the time. We're not going to just be this and we're done. Man, we got a long road ahead of us. We got a nice little journey before us. I mean, it's going to be good. You might stick around here for 60, 70, 80 years maybe. And Fred, you might say, boy, they live a long life. Oh, but the best yet hasn't come. Fred, we got something to look forward to because the Lamb stood. Because that Lamb, the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David, he stood on his throne. And tonight, we just bow down and worship him. Because he's the one that redeemed us. And he's the one that has saved us tonight. He's the one that's made us. And he's the one who's caused us. Hallelujah. And then I notice not only a personal worship, but I notice a heavenly worship. I feel sorry for some people. You can't even get in the personal. Much less think about getting in the heavenly. You're going to be beside yourself when you get to heaven. You're going to think, well, whoa, whoa. There's a bunch of charismatics up in here. There's a bunch of people up here, friend. And I thought that they didn't ever make it. They were wild people down there. Look at them now. Look, let's read this. This is encouraging. Because it's, okay it's okay for somebody to, make, to raise your hand. Amen. It's okay to, to even raise your foot. It's okay to even stand up and say, Amen, brother. That's right. Hallelujah, glory to God. But dignified, Baptist, independent, the frozen. Calm yourself down. Don't get too excited. Man, listen, they might think that you're some charismatic. They might think there's something wrong with you. You done, you done jumped off and started drinking some Kool-Aid from a Pentecostal or something. I mean, we, we can't no doubt get excited, you know, like, like the Texans or the Astros or uh, we're not too much Rockets. They can't win, they can't win nothing. But, you know, of the, like the rodeo, you kind of get excited to go to the rodeo, amen? You're watching those guys on those, on those horses getting bucked off. Hey, woo! You seen those guys on those on those bulls getting bucked off? Boom, yeah, it's good, man. And that guy gets up there, you know, George Crooked. You know who George Crooked is, don't you? They call him George Strait. He's really George Crooked. You can't wait to February. The last show to end it out to the top dog of country and western music. Honor George Crooked. That'll, that'll move your heart. But friend, whenever you come to the house of God, and we're talking about Jesus, some of y'all don't even look up at me. I don't know if you had, if something's wrong with your neck. There's a good chiropractor in Missouri City. You may ask your mom and dad to take you there. But maybe you need to go to a heart surgeon. Something wrong with your heart. I'm just saying tonight, Fred, these is a worship of heaven. And I'd hate for you to get to heaven tonight not ready. That would be a very hurt when you show up in heaven and this is going on. Look at verse 11. And I beheld, this is John speaking now, I beheld 
And I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne. Now, come on now. Let's look at this. And I don't want you to imagine it. I want you to see it. Here's the throne. The Lord's on his throne. The Lamb is standing on his throne. And here is angels. Many angels. Not just one, not just two, not just a few, not just several, but many. And they're about and around the throne. Now, if you could just imagine tonight to see a throne and the Lamb sitting on there, standing up, and here's a many angels. Let's say, let's say 10,000. And they're there, and they're just worshiping. We ain't never been in anything like that before. We ain't never been in a service over a 1,000. Anybody been in a service over a 1,000? You have? Okay. Y'all have too? Well, amen. Glory to God. I ain't never been over a 1,000 in a, in a six-month period adding all the people that came for six months. I bet you they preached something like this, didn't they? I say to you this evening, many angels around that throne. And the Bible says, and the beast. You know, those beasts that, that have, was like a lion, and the second was like a calf, and the third was like a face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And that beast was around about that throne. There's only four of those guys. And then, and then, the Bible says, and the elders representing the church. And no telling how many they are of the church. Now, we're already talking about a lot of action, don't you think? We're talking about a lot of noise, don't you think? I mean, friend, there is some action going on around this throne with Jesus the Lamb standing. And then he comes up with a number that there ain't nobody in here. I know some of y'all big shots and y'all been in thousand uh, church and stuff like that. But you've never been into something like this. He says, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, Brother Charles, you're a very smart guy. I mean, some things you talk to me about, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I say Yes. Can you tell me that number? A big number. See how smart he is? I'm just saying a heavenly worship. And man, it's a number that nobody can even know. I mean, you look up all these smart commentaries, all these theologians, all these guys, and they say this, just what Brother Charles said. A big number. And the Bible says he heard the noise. I wonder what noise he's talking about coming from the beast and coming from the angels and coming from the elders and coming from all this billions of jillions of people. Can you imagine? Heavenly worship. <laughs> you know what they're saying? Take the book and open the seals. That's what they're saying. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. All of heaven is worshiping. And then there's a universal worship. <laughs> In verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven, every single creature, if there was four billion, jillion, gazillion people, beasts, elders, angels, and that unknowing number, every single creature is worshiping the standing lamb. Everyone. In heaven. And tonight, how dare you come into the house of God and not worship the Lamb? How dare you do that?
how brave that is. If all of heaven is worshiping the Lamb and all of heaven is bowing down to the Lamb, who makes you think that you don't have to do that? I notice number two. Not only do I notice of all of heaven, but every creature on the earth. Tribulation's about to start. So there's people on the earth here. We're in heaven. Every single person in, he in heaven and every creature on earth. You know what they're going to do? They're going to worship the Lamb. Every creature. And then he goes on to say in verse 13. And under the earth. All of hell will worship the standing lamb. All of heaven, all of earth, all of hell. There's coming a day, friend, when there's going to be a universal worship. And every breathing created being will bow and confess with their tongue that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And tonight it's best that you get in now. It's best that you start right now. Stop messing around. Stop fooling around. Stop acting like you know all things. Because you know nothing. Admit to God your ignorance and your rebellion and stubbornness toward Him. And bow your heart. And repent of your sin. And by faith believe in the standing Lamb. Began to worship him. Universal. Universal. And what they're saying. Blessing, honor, glory, power. Be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. And unto the lamb. Forever and ever. And the Bible says. There in verse 14. And the four beasts said. Amen. Amen. They're just saying, so be it. We will worship Him universally. We will worship Him heavenly. And we'll worship Him personally. And so be it. That's just the way it is. Because He's a worthy, a worthy Lamb. We find here tonight, I'm going to preach this next Sunday morning, but I'm going to give you a, a, a title for it so you can be praying for me and you can have some anticipation. Nor do I notice tonight the book outline, and I notice tonight in the book that we find where God is at, we find that he opens the book. The book opened, chapter 6 and verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering to conquer. Now tonight, all that we have heard, and then we plunge in the chapter 6, verse 1, because many preachers just preach chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 1. And chapter 5 and chapter 4 don't seem to be connected. But chapter 3 is connected to chapter 4. And chapter 4 is connected to chapter 5. And chapter 5 is connected to chapter 6. So when you could see Jesus as the Lamb and the worship of all people, and then next thing you know, in chapter 6, verse 1, it's the Lamb. And he's got the book. And he opens the book. You can kind of see that he is in charge. I want to say a few things. That Jesus tonight, he is in the worship of Jesus is in chapter 4. The worthiness of Jesus in chapter 5. But the wrath. Of Jesus is in chapter 6. 
And you say, where do you get that from? Well, it says there in the chapter 6, look at verse 16. And said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So he's worshipped in verse chapter 4, worthy in chapter 5, wrath, chapter 6. Who is the Lamb of God? He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And I want you to notice, and I stop right here. The Lion, the Lion in chapter 6, verse 1, called the Lamb. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion is in complete control. Do you see that? He's got the book. And tribulation period won't start until he opens the book. Until then, it will not begin. He's in charge. He wrote the book. He sealed the book. He has the book. And whatever the book is about to lay out from chapter 6 to chapter 19 in the way of the tribulation period, it's already known. It's already spoken. It's already written. It's already done. And it has to now just unfold. And so he's in complete control of all that's fixing to take place. Now he's in complete control, but he's in complete confidence that every single thing that's written in this book will fall in line just like it should. He's in control, he's in confidence, but then thirdly, I notice he's in completion. It was written on the front, it was written on the back. Nothing can be added to the book, nothing taken away from the book, and the book will be completed because it's the Lamb. That has the book. He opens it up. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I wonder this, this evening. This book has given us the timing. The tribulations. And the triumph. Have you worshipped the Lord this, this evening? Have you worshipped the Lord in your life? Is he... One tonight, who's the Lord and the Lamb and the Lion? Is He that in your life? I pray that He is. I'd hate to know that nobody or anybody in this room will not ever make it to heaven. Man, my heart would be broke over that. I preach every message Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night with the Desired my heart and the purpose and intent of my soul that somebody come to know Jesus. Will you come to know Jesus tonight? Will you bend your knee? Will you bend your heart? Would you just confess that you're a sinner and that He's the Savior? And in your sin, you will find yourself in death. Separation with God. But he died so that he can redeem you, reconcile you to God. And if you just come tonight, he'll do just that. If you're a Christian tonight, have we underestimated the lamb? Do we live as if the lamb don't count? Do we live as if the lamb is just a friend? Or maybe acquaintance. But is he really all that heaven thought he is? The whole world one day will fall and worship him. Do you in a personal way? You sing, Brother George, we'll close if nobody comes. I, I desire that somebody be born again. Some Christian just have their fire rekindled for the Lamb of God, the Lord. I just want to serve him, honor him, lift him up. If all of heaven would bow down to him and all the world will bow down to him, surely I will too. If you don't today, you will. If you don't tomorrow, you will. You might as well today. Today's the day. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. Glory. What a Savior we serve. What a Lord. What a God. Yes, Lord. Bless your holy name.
Brother George, you dismiss us here tonight, and, and we're going to have a fellowship for all the birthdays in August, and I guess we'll have some tea and coffee and cake and, and sit around and just talk about how old we're getting. Uh, but anyway, if you'd like to join us in that, you come on. Brother George, you dismiss us here tonight. Well.